Hello and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of our Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in. Get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. G'day everyone and welcome to Pause and Listen. My name is Jazz and I'm a member of the Big Dog team. I'm back with the absolute privilege of introducing our two guests today, Chris Essex, the Big Dog founder, manager and oracle. And we have a very special guest and good mate to Big Dog, um, canine nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Today we'll be discussing gut health. As we know, good health starts in the gut and this is no different for our pets. Speaking of pet, hello to any puppies that might be listening. I'll say hello to you first, Chris. Hello, how the heck are you? I'm great, Jazz. How are you? Excellent. This is our second podcast together. It is. It's very exciting. I know. You're not going to drop any uh, fresh goss on me? No fresh goss. No. No (laughs) big bombs that I have to try and diffuse this time? No. No. Okay, so I won't be jumping on the couch again? No Tom Cruise style. No, did you get that? Because none of the young people... Tom Cruise? Yeah, like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch? Yeah. Yeah. I said that to somebody around here who was younger and they're like, no, I didn't get that. I'm like, yeah, right. Wasted. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing for Tom, but not for you. Oh, okay, fine. Fair enough. So, but I do, do you know, I was talking to um, Nathan, one of our team members here yesterday, and I was saying that um, I love chatting to you about raw feeding or when we've had you go through the production facility because you like turn into Steve Irwin with like reptiles, but it's like, look at this lamb. Yeah, you get so excited. It's actually pretty fun. So um, I love it. So you got to bring the passion again today. Okay. Do my best. Yeah. So I'll move on to Narelle, um, who went for anyone who doesn't know our guest Narelle, she has a very long list of qualifications in health and science, um, working in research roles, and she's a clinical naturopath, nutritionalist, nutritionist, sorry, and herbalist. I'm so excited to speak to her. I'm just like stumbling over my words <laughs> for humans, but that then evolved into canine nutrition and natural therapies, which has been really exciting to watch because you've also launched your own range of supplements for pets which is canine suticals so narelle welcome and thank you so much for joining us how have you been how's the launch going hi everyone it's really great to be invited to speak with you all today um particularly about gut health because as a naturopath that's our thing you know all health does begin in the gut um but I'm really well. So yeah, it's good and life is good. And my new range, Canine Studicals, has been going amazingly well. I'm just shy of three months since launch and really lots of positive feedback, lots of great testimonials. So really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. It looks like it's doing really great. I know you've got a bit of a fan club here at Big Dog as well. Um, Not just Big Dog. Oh, but yeah. Everywhere I read on social media. Yeah, that's true. You do have Everybody loves Nora. Well, I just wanted to say hello to her from like (laughs) Tiff and Jess because, you know, we all love you. So, um, yeah, you do have a bit of a fan club here as well. So, um, and I... I have to ask you, I learned something new about you, or maybe I forgot that you actually wanted to be a vet 
when you first started. Did you start studying to be a vet? Is that right? Do I have that right? Always, you know, like most young girls, always wanted to be a vet. It was just my dream. Um, got the marks to get into to vet, but realised that every time I saw a surgery, I would faint. <laughs> so, okay. um, so I quickly realised that it wasn't for me. And then I got offered a scholarship at Melbourne Uni to do agricultural science instead. So um, more dealing with dead animals than live ones. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Which seemed to suit me a bit better and my stomach a bit better. But look, it's always a regret of mine that I just didn't have literally the stomach to to do vet science and vet hats off to them that can do it. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason as well. So I certainly don't regret that the path or the direction that my career has gone and it's been a journey you know from a research pathologist looking mainly at sort of diseases of plants in the beginning you know right through to regulatory affairs with a major global pharmaceutical company um, to natural medicine in humans and now for dogs so people should never feel like they can't um, evolve and change you know as they get older people are like oh I'm too old to do more education and change careers like seriously you're never too old yeah, no, and your um, because you have your own podcast, and your first episode is which is just about you. I found that mind blowing as well. I'm like, oh my god, like how do people actually? So embarrassing. That's my no. husband pushing for things like that. <laughs> no, I love it. It's so good. Yeah, I um, you know, Glenn's your biggest fan, so you know, and that comes across in the podcast because you're like really humble and you want to downplay everything, and he's like, no, tell him about this. I love it. It's really great. So, um, well, you guys are actually both extremely passionate about gut health, which is why we've got you both here to nerd out and I'm just here to try and keep up and I'm going to try and provide some awkward commentary and probably a bit of laughter if I can. I'll just be in the background here. So I think to get started, I'll go to you, Chris, um, and I want to ask you, what does good gut function look like? What are the obvious symptoms? But are there less obvious symptoms with good gut function that people might not be aware of? Oh, it is a good question straight <laughs> up. Oh, I think there is a bit of both, to, to tell the truth. I think um, if we start on bad mm-hmm. um, gut function, a lot of, a lot of dogs might even, might even know that they've got an issue there or the pet parents might even know, and it, it's, it can be a timely thing. I mean, obvious ones when we've got issues there is, um, you know, diarrhea is an obvious one. Um, some forms of well, vomiting, uh, skin conditions. It can it can expose itself in a number of ways, and I I, I imagine we will get to to leaky gut mm. in this podcast because that's where it's all starting from and and presents in different ways. But certainly, you know, they're the common ones that people can can see straight away. You know, there's a diarrhea issue. or as I said, skin skin problems, smell, smelly skin, yeah, ears. Um, ears, yeah, yeast ears, that sort of stuff. I mean, it's all it's all an overload and all an infection. Um, and I, I guess we were saying we we're talking about healthy gut function. Well, the the biggest or well, the best indicator for us, I think, is, is just going straight to their stools and checking and monitoring your stools. Is as much of it sounds icky. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty good indication of the dog's health. And I think, you know, we do show that in, on a lot of our social media. Um, platforms regularly and it seems to be <laughs> um, a lot of hits there people are, are constantly checking in on their dog stools and that's great because that's how it should be um, but you know I think on that dog stool chart there's a lot of um, 
different stools that they can refer to as well, which might be indicators also that something could be starting to happen in the gut if um, and to address it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think um, our, speaking of our stool chart, and we've got Nat here who is our um, marketing manager and producer, and I'm just looking at her. I think we rank number one on Google for dog poo, which we love so much. It's so good. So, yeah, Amazing I'm hoping effort. we get a lot of Congratulations here today. today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're so, very proud of that. We though. are proud of that because our dogs can't talk to us and this is probably the best way they can communicate to us about 100%. their health and how they're feeling, right? So um, and so, what are some – so I expect that inflammation is a big part if like with bad gut function, that's going to cause a lot of inflammation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And there's probably one I, I did um, miss there is, is just their general well-being. You know, if they're if they're just not as active and not not feeling as healthy and and they're kind of out of norm, their normal sort of daily, you, know, you can pick up on that pretty quickly as well, yeah. and you can probably zero in pretty quickly on. You know, my first go to would be probiotics. Um, straight, straight up, look at him go. It's just like, what do you think, Nora? Running and jumping. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Over you now, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you touched on some all some really good points, uh, Chris, in terms of what to look for. It's, it's obviously easier to talk about the signs and symptoms of bad gut health rather than good gut health because, you know, when things are going well, we just don't, you know, we just accept that things are going well. Um, but, you know, in addition to diarrhea, like really stinky gas isn't normal, um, reflux and excessive burping and things like that, bloating, all of those as well as sort of indicators of something's not right. And a really safe and easy way for most pet parents to start is to give a multi-strain probiotic that has everything in it. So you want not just probiotics, you know, you need the food, the, the prebiotics um, in there as well for extra benefit and immune health and digestive enzymes. If our dogs uh, have any degree of compromised gut function, um, that's automatically going to impact their capacity to produce enzymes. So supporting them with that would just be... Um, the way to go as well absolutely especially with those enzymes with the um the more processed diets you know because all of those enzymes can be destroyed obviously from a, a cooked product um or any of that, all that so the highly manufactured cooked products are really destroying those enzymes that's a really good point guys can i ask you um Narelle, could you explain to me the difference between a prebiotic a probiotic and a digestive enzyme i think I, I, just to clarify for anyone listening, because, um, yeah, I just want to simplify that a little bit. If you could explain that one. So prebiotics, the easiest way to think of prebiotics are as the food for probiotics. So broadly speaking, prebiotics are a type of fiber. But just to complicate matters, not all fibers are classified as prebiotics. So to be classified as a prebiotic, it needs to pass through the gastrointestinal tract undigested and it needs to be able to support the growth of bacteria that are known to confer a health benefit to the host so that our dogs or us um, if we're taking pro uh, prebiotic. So prebiotics are a type of food and for the most, and most fibres are prebiotics but not all fibres are prebiotics. And then if we look at probiotics, Probiotics are defined as the live organisms that when given in adequate amounts have been clinically shown to have a health benefit for our dogs as well. So not all bacteria, and this is like a common mis 
inception, not all bacteria are automatically probiotics. So they need to have been shown to have a health benefit either for us or our dogs to fall into that category. So not all bacteria sort of cut the mustard in that sense, which is why it's so important to buy um, reputable products that contain clinically proven strains of probiotics that do what they claim they, you know, they should be doing because I love, like I love whole foods as a foundation for health. Um, I think, you know, our dogs and us, we need to sort of take it back to as natural and as wholesome as possible. But if you're relying just on, let's say, fermented foods, like, you know, your kefirs and things like that, yes, they're rich in um, beneficial bacteria, but a lot of the time, you know, they're not, they don't know what's in there and and we don't know the the levels that are in there. Whereas if your dog's got a health condition, particularly a gut condition, you really do need a concentrated for like source of clinically proven probiotic strain. So yes. Um, so where am I up to in the question? Digestive enzymes now. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um, <laughs> probiotics. And the last one was, so digestive enzymes. Um, digestive enzymes are, protein molecules that are there's different protein molecules so some break down um are designed to break down protein in the body some break down fats in the body some break down carbohydrates in the body so you've got all these different types of enzymes to break down different constituents of uh, what our dogs are eating so that's really important chris what's your favorite uh probiotic strain did i ask that right is that right how you say it favorite strain of probiotic yeah. do you have a favorite oh I, top I, three <laughs> I just thought I saw your little face like, oh, do I have to pick one? So no, like, no, no, it's all right. <laughs> do you have a favorite? My favorite is um, Bacillus subtilis. I think there, there's a lot of um, research that's been done on that, um, and and there's a number of of benefits um, of it. So we, we've certainly included that in ours, and then it's complemented by another um, bunch of strains as well. Um, but really, the Bacillus subtilis is a uh, it would be my favourite. Yeah, yep. that's my go-to. And um, at good levels, good strong levels. And prebiotics. What are you? Do we have prebiotics in our? Um, what are some prebiotics that would be in our foods or our supplements? Green bananas. Yeah. Yeah. So green bananas full of full, full of inulin. I think it's five to six percent. Uh, the green bananas will contain, and uh, the 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 bacteria just love it. The good bacteria, all the prebiotics, um, just love it. It's a really good um, food source for them. So. Um, that's why that's included in, in our blend. Oh, in the probiotic formula. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you, green, bananas are mushy, right? So how, no. how do you get that? No, What's they're not mushy. On? No, that's why, that, that's, why <laughs> they've got to be, that's why they've got to be green. And as they mature, the, the fruit changes. It goes, it turns into a fruit and really, it's a really big sugar bomb, essentially, once it's, it's ripened and, and the normal bananas that we refer to. So that's what I'm saying, green bananas. They're hard inside if you snap them open, and it is a snap because they're still hard. It's quite chalky, the fruit in, inside, the body inside, um, and that's where the, all that inulin is in the food for the... That's cool. We should get body. a video of that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool because I can't visualise that. I just I'm just saying bananas. <laughs> yeah, that, that's bananas. There's other forms that are high in the inulin as well. Yeah. Um, can't think of right at the moment, but... Um, oh. Jerusalem artichoke, yeah. Chicory, uh, chicories, they're really chicories, high yeah. Sorts, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all those are, are wonderful, wonderful foods. Keep the, the, the good bugs happy. 
Yeah, nice. I like that. Sugar bomb. I'm going to call everyone that from now on. Um, Sorry, Sugar Jess. bomb. <laughs> Narelle. Sorry. Are you calling her a banana? No. I'm calling her a sugar bomb. <laughs> it's cute. Um, Narelle. Sorry. Do you have a favorite probiotic strain? Do you know what? I've never in my career been asked if I have a favorite. <laughs> you have to pick a favorite child. You have to. Uh, that's just hysterical, Jazz. Um, <laughs> so I must say. Oh, you can tell I was that kid. I'm from, sorry, there's four of us. And I was like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? And why is it me? Like, I'm that person. So I do it to Chris all the time. Who's your favorite um, employee? And why is it me? Um, okay, now I know. I'll have a heads up if we yeah, do to be prepared with my favourites. Um, look, I'm really on the same page as Chris. Like the the spore forming bacteria, particularly the Bacillus sort of species of bacteria, there's so much emerging research, like really good, strong research into their health benefits. But particularly with dogs, because we've got to think with dogs, they've got such a, like um, a high level of gastric acid that not all bacteria can survive that. Um, and there's lots of other things that are going on in the body that, you know, may kill off a bacteria before it gets to where it needs to go and to do all its good work. So those spore-forming bacteria are so resilient to environmental conditions, which is why they've been around for just, you know, forever in the environment. And back in the day when people were living off the land, they would naturally consume spore-forming bacteria because it would be in the soil. So if they're eating you know, vegetables or things that they've grown in the soil, they're sort of consuming those bacteria sort of in that form and in fermented foods as well. But I just love them for dogs because of their um, their ability to survive and their ability to do uh, what we want them to do. So that would be, yeah, bacillus species, um, absolutely. And, I mean, you can't go in terms of it being really broad. I feel like this is a bit of a, a cop-out because I wasn't prepared for this question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But um, just, you know, the lactobacillus acidophilus family and the, the bifidobacterium family, you know, there's a lot of species within those two broader families that can have amazing health benefits for our dogs. So Awesome. Sorry about that. I'm the one opening up the can of worms this time. It's not Chris. So look at that. I thought it was just a simple pick your favourite. But And I, I know you've talked a lot about SB as well. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh, how yeah, did I sorry. <laughs> Which is what I thought you'd I thought you'd just go, uh, SP, duh. Like goodness, just for those who don't know, I just did a whole podcast on um Saccharomyces boulardii, which again, most people think probiotics have to be bacteria. So SB, which is what we shorten it to because who wants to say Saccharomyces boulardii every time you mention it, um, is a yeast, but it's a friendly yeast and it has amazing benefits in the body but I won't take up this podcast talking about it so you can um... yeah because they can listen to yours because it's very thorough and I love it but also um yeast Chris so there's good yeast and bad yeast which I have just recently learned which I'm embarrassed to say to Chris so how what how I I thought yeast was bad right (laughs) no and exactly that and that's been a uh, a challenge in our business is um, when we wanted to include some of these products like um, brewer's yeast and, and stuff like that, that, you know, we we used to add those or Don B yeast, add those sort of yeast for the B complex really was what I was chasing because they're quite high naturally in those. 
Um, so they're wonderful. But then well, as soon as some pet parents see that yeast on the end of it, they say, oh, my dog's got an issue to eat and I, it can't eat the food. But it's not quite the case. And um, Norell's podcast, I would imagine, touches on that because I haven't listened to it yet, Norell. But um, I imagine she's touched on that, on on the difference and and why there is good yeast and why there is bad yeast. And it's pretty obvious, you know, Actually, when, when, yeah. when you get into it. It's a good question, Jazz, and you're really testing me today. Um, but it's, I didn't actually mention that in my podcast. I don't know why, but it's like the easiest way for people to think about it because there is a real um, preconception that any yeast is is bad, like all yeast are bad, but it's absolutely not the case. And it's just like we don't assume or we understand, I should say, that when we're talking about bacteria, there are good bacteria like probiotics and then there's pathogenic bacteria that could, you know, cause food poisoning and, you know, quite severe disease states. And it's quite easy for us to understand that you can have good and bad bacteria, but for some reason we've never sort of got it in our heads that you can have good and bad yeast as well. So same same concept. Um, it's spot on. It's exactly the same. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of the human practitioner companies will have various yeast species in their allergy products, um, in their gut products. And yeah, so it's, it's, there's definitely a place for yeast in healing our dog's guts um, and their yeast infections. And there is good yeast because there's beer and there's Vegemite. See? Yeah, see? So there is good yeast. You're right. My little brain was just going and I think. Well, um, I don't know if alcohol and beer is a, is a good what do you but mean? it's a fun thing, but I don't know if it's a healthy thing. Like <laughs> oh you, no, you're I'm gonna, just you're gonna drink that for enjoyable. To be yeah, you know, like yeah, it's an enjoyable yeast. <laughs> oh, God. But something I do want to just circle back to very quickly that Narelle said because she did mention about the probiotics, live probiotics. Yeah, you should be a bit careful there because there are there are products out there that says that well, say they've got probiotics, but if they don't have live on it, and I I, I re refer more to the human consumption here like the yogurts and that that you might find out there and and some pet parents as a probiotic want to feed a yogurt and that's fine it's not that strong Delicious. but it might be more preventive yeah but when you look at that label if it doesn't say live on it i wouldn't be buying that product because it, it it's not live oh, it might have had some sort of probiotic attitude but if they're not live they're not working yeah right or they've been killed off for processing yeah so it might have been there and got them to a certain stage but then yeah right and can they still have live on the label if it's been killed off though? If, they, if they're live, they'll put live on there. Oh, so right. I always look for live probiotics. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so then with supplements, so I don't get it. So they can have, <laughs> sorry, I'm like, how do they? So if they have live probiotics on the supplement bottle, and Narelle's just like launched a range, so you probably know all the rules with this. They have to be live, even with the with pets, with pet supplements. Are they regulated? Like, is anyone? The problem is, by definition, like probiotic, the word probiotic by definition infers that it's a live organism, like it's a live bacteria or, you know, or a live yeast. Um, unfortunately, the marketing in pet supplements is is poorly regulated. And a lot of companies, whether it's pet foods or pet supplements, We'll use the term probiotic, but it's not. They might have um, probiotic uh, fermentation products, which are just the metabolites of a probiotic. There's nothing live or there's no actual real, you know, bacteria, let's say, in there, but they're using that, like they're plastering the word probiotic all over the packaging um, when it's not actually a true representation of what's in the bag. So it's really, um, 
it's hard. It's up to consumers to sort of do their due diligence in that regard and look. But, you know, the average consumer just doesn't doesn't know what sort of what the meanings of words should mean and sort of how um, companies can sort of use that to their advantage and mislead consumers in a lot of cases. Yeah, right. And the amounts, you know, there's like, I don't know, 1 billion, oh, yeah, 20 yeah. billion, oh. like, and, and is more always better or does it depend on the strain? I, I, I like the numbers game. The, the the more the more in there the better, um, as long as they're they're good probiotics as well. But you know if if they're selling a, somebody out there selling a probiotic that's in the millions, that's nowhere near enough for me. Uh, I think you really need to be in the billions, which is where we are, um, and and a good level across all those strains. So you know you don't just want one either. You want you want other complementing probiotics. I think there's a synergistic effect in there. So it makes sense to have some high numbers, but some really nice high strength um, probiotics that that we know really do work. And on on top of that, I suppose it's some of the process and and, and Narelle touched on as well. How how do they get through the gut and and land where they need to be um, processed by the bacteria and the colon and whatnot? So you know, with um, our our bacillus subtilis, it's a spores. Narelle said. So it finds its way through there naturally, um, has its own mechanisms to get there. And then our other forms, we're microencapsulating. So the microencapsulating is uh, it, it's a fantastic technology so that they more or less encapsulate the, the live probiotics to get them through the digestive process to get where they need to be. So they are all arriving alive, not, yep. not in a, not a dead, dead state. Because if they're dead, they're, they're a waste of time, right? And a waste That's of money. Right. Absolutely. And um, I agree, Chris. And again, it's less so in the human world, but in the animal um, food and supplement world, in a lot of cases, things don't have to be quantified on the the packaging. So just because something is listed, it doesn't mean it's in there in any therapeutic amount whatsoever. They could put, you know, it's like with pet food uh, packaging, we usually say anything after salt's less than 1% of sort of the total composition of the, the product. And you'll see a whole lot of things on, um, on kibble brands particularly that come after that salt and you're like but by putting it in tiny tiny amounts it, it allows them to put all these pretty pictures on the front of the bag because they can say well hey we've got like that ingredient but you know it's it's pretty much doing nothing because it's in such a tiny amount but we don't know that as consumers because it doesn't have to be quantified same with probiotics um, you can have a product that says it's got probiotics but if it's not saying how many I would um, that's a red flag for sure Oh, it's frustrating, isn't it? Mm. I get frustrated and cranky and then you just, oh. But I do get frustrated with uh, the transparency just isn't there. And we know that's a challenge in our industry um, at the moment. Um, you know, there are some good groups out there trying to, to correct that. But, um, yeah, it's that transparency thing that that is a challenge and does get get us frustrated. Oh, yeah. Bloody marketing, hey? You, you mentioned leaky gut before too um, and I know you both talk about leaky gut a lot actually and um, maybe Narelle do you want to give the anyone who doesn't know what leaky gut is are you able to give a very quick summary of what that is? Absolutely so leaky gut's sort of the layman's term for um, increased sort of gastric hyperpermeability so it's where the, the gut lining or the gastric mucosa um, becomes more porous than it should be. So uh, we've got, you know, our gut lining is 
composed of cells and those cells should be tight, uh, packed tightly together um, to act as a sort of a semi-permeable barrier. So our gut's designed to let like vitamins and minerals and water and all the good things in, but it should be able to block um, pathogenic toxins, uh, large undigested food particles, like everything that shouldn't get into the bloodstream. Uh, the gut should be blocking that by having like these tightly packed cells. But I mean, due to lots of different things, whether it's medications, um, poor diet, uh, stress can all cause the gut to become um, more porous. So those cells sort of move apart and that allows more things that shouldn't get into the body in the bloodstream to actually get in. And that's sort of just the, the start of all the problems really. So, I mean, that's just a really crude overview of what leaky gut is. And then we can talk a bit more about what that means and sort of what happens. Yeah. What does, so what sort of um, physical symptoms would people see in their pets? Cause I guess we're talking about pets here. Um, yeah. What sort of symptoms will people see in their pets that might indicate that their, their dog has leaky gut? So that's the thing because leaky gut um, is basically creating an inflammatory state in the body and it can, and depending on, because leakiness can vary from a little bit to a lot and the degree of leakiness will certainly impact uh, the signs and symptoms that we see in dogs. But because it's creating this sort of inflammatory cascade and this low level of sort of chronic inflammation in the body, just like people respond differently um, you know, to different on like problems, uh, so can our dogs. So the most obvious are going to be gut symptoms. So, you know, an owner might see uh, an increase in reflux or diarrhea or bloating, things like that. But because the inflammation spreads throughout the body, it can also um, manifest as joint problems. It could affect their behavior. Um, some dogs could become more anxious or stressed because of that sort of gut brain axis happening. Because inflammation has a significant negative impact on the immune system, we can also see dogs more prone to infections, particularly yeast infections, because once the immune system sort of compromised, uh, pathogenic bacteria sort of can take hold. So it just depends on the dog. And that again can manifest as skin issues, um, ear issues, it's anything is literally possible in humans. Leaky gut has been like clinically connected with so many symptoms or conditions that people just wouldn't think of, like um, major depressive disorder, type one diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, multiple sclerosis, autism, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, which is a bit more obvious, but there's just this whole list of serious disease states that are known now to originate from leaky gut. So it's pretty full on. Yeah, that's huge. And like you, I actually did want to ask you again, sorry, I'm going to get you to probably spit out another mouthful, but about the gut brain connection and just because you're right, people don't really think about it that much, but you just touched on it then with like major depressive disorders and that sort of thing, like leaky gut being, you know, um, associated with that. So I was wondering if you could also explain the gut-brain connection because I imagine that is like, I mean, we know about it for humans or sorry, I'm aware of it for humans, but is it also the same for our pets as well, that gut-brain connection? It is. And again, I, I probably don't want to get into too much of the technical detail, but we've got the reason why, I'll, I'll take it a step back, the reason why, you know, compromised gut function 
um, really impacts our dog's immune health is because the lining of the gastrointestinal tract sort of has running along it what's called the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, which is immune tissue. But it's also got this really close um, association with what's called the enteric nervous system. So that's sort of what's driving. So whenever our dogs eat anything, the the nutrients and the chemicals in that food is triggering the enteric nervous system to communicate with the brain. Um, and it's a bi-directional sort of conversation. So um, that's why when our dogs get stressed, they might often get diarrhea. Um, but if they've got gut issues, they might also manifest with behavioral problems as well. But maybe that's another whole show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You could do a whole podcast on that. Cause like, isn't like the, the, I don't know, somewhere in the, like it's full of nerves all through. And you know, that's why they say like, when you're nervous, you get an upset, you might get an upset tummy or whatever. Cause it's like you're full of nerves and people just aren't making that connection. So um, well, I think that's what they're, they're also referring to is the second brain now, right? Yeah. Your, your gut's the second brain. It's my first brain, actually. <laughs> Sorry. And, and it's also been proven, you yeah. know, on, on what Narelle's saying there, that there's a lot of, a lot of studies out there um, about the, the importance of, again, the healthy microflora looking after um, that, the, your microbiome um, to ensure that the, you know, your signaling and all that sort of stuff is, is correct. It's, it's really quite interesting. And so how would we, sorry, how would our, we, for our pet parents, avoid leaky gut? What's the best thing we can do for our dogs to avoid leaky gut? Yeah, well, I'm going to say naturally get straight onto a raw diet, a raw healthy. Well, I was hoping you, I was setting you up so you could knock it down. Well, that's really going to stimulate their immune system. We know that or, or keep their immune system nice and healthy, um, their microflora healthy as well because, you know, there are natural probiotics going through with our products, but there's also uh, the fibres that we spoke about. Because why why does a raw diet support our dog's immune systems? Well, it's fully, it's digestible. So it's full of nutrition in, in, in many different ways. You know, we, we've got all the macros, but then you've got the micros there as well, all complementary. But the beauty is of the raw diet is it's it's nature's diet, so the dog can digest it efficiently. It's complemented by natural enzymes that we were talking about before, probiotics, all that sort of stuff to, to assist with that digestion as well. So when everything's going through and functioning properly, your immune system is stimulated or maintained. So, you know, we're not we're not throwing any nasties at it by feeding a, a highly processed diet or processed diets that avoid of nutrition. So. Yeah, it's all about the immune system. Yeah. And a healthy gut, well, you know, one of the best things is, is an all-raw natural diet. Absolutely. <laughs> and Well, there's a couple of other factors too, Narelle, isn't there? Yeah, but just on that, like, I can't stress enough, like, what Chris is saying between healthy gut and healthy immune system, because you've got to think, our the cells lining our gut, it's like one cell thick. Like, our cells, you can imagine how tiny a cell is. So it's one cell thick, and behind that is that uh, gut-associated lymphoid tissue, which is our immune system. So our immune system is like one cell away from everything that our dogs are eating or that we're eating. So it's it's like hypersensitive to whatever's coming into the body and it'll react accordingly. Um, but on the raw food diet, absolutely, definitely the first place to start for healing gut problems. Um, studies have shown that raw-fed dogs have a much more diverse bacterial sort of microbiome um, in their guts than kibble-fed dogs, and that's key. So we know now that diversity is key in terms of health, whether it's human health or dog health. The more diverse the microbiome, the better it is um, 
long term. And so having, sorry, you're just saying that a more diverse microbiome, you'll see that in raw fed dogs. And so if, is that why we see problems when dogs switch straight from kibble to yep. raw? Okay. <gasps> Look at me learning, making connections. I'm like, ah. Oh. I, ref- okay. I refer to, to dogs that are fed processed diets, um, their immune system suppressed. So you could look at it that way. It's just not functioning. It's not firing on all on all cylinders. So as soon as it's trying, but the poor dog is suffering in, in some way, eventually it, it can increase their aging um, and then that presents itself in, as a form of inflammation, obviously, and then it, it can go into many different forms. Um, but when you're, when you're feeding a raw diet um, and you're complementing um, or you've got all that complementary nutrition going into it, it's firing on all six cylinders. So it's it's just, it's chalk and cheese. And that's why we do see such a, a difference in dogs that are fed a, a highly processed diet. They get away from that. They go to a raw diet. And most pet parents just can't believe the difference in their dog, you know, or when they're a puppy, they're going back to that puppy. They, they want to run, they want to play, they want to jump, all that sort of fun stuff that they used to do. But you know that it comes back into it, but they they just couldn't do that when they're on these processed diets because they were sore or they you know mm-hmm. they're they're not feeling well. You know yourself when you're feeling like that, you don't want yeah. to do anything. You just want to lay on the on the couch. It, it's the same. It's no different for our dogs. Yeah. You know, but once they're getting all this excellent nutrition and and what the body's been craving for is given, it's it's a different life for them. I just want to add there, Chris. Sorry, Jazz, if I jump in, but um, it's not just like okay, raw food provides everything they need in a really highly sort of bioavailable form. The thing with kibble, let's say, is not only doesn't it provide that, but it it's actively damaging um, to our dog's gut, their immune system, their, their overall health. Like we know now, so it's not like it's just a neutral, oh, raw food's better, but kibble's neutral. It's like kibble is like actively damaging our, our dog's guts. Um because of the way it's processed, like it's unavoidable, the way that kibble is processed with high temperature and, you know, all that pressure that damages, you know, the nutritional content. So they have to add all the synthetics back in, but also the creation of that Maillard reaction, which I don't know if you've spoken about on your previous podcast, but the Maillard reaction is a reaction between protein and carbohydrates when they're processed at high temperatures. And it's a really detrimental um, sort of chemical reaction that triggers what's called advanced glycation end products. It triggers the production of acrylamide and all of these other toxic compounds, which there is so much literature to tell us how damaging to the body those um, advanced glycation end products and other, you know, acrylamide are. I mean, acrylamide is a known carcinogen and even world governments will say, you know, please try and minimize your intake of acrylamide, which comes from foods that are processed at high temperatures that contain carbohydrates and protein. So we know that kibble is very inflammatory. It's very damaging to our dogs. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, then let me add to that as well. So if we've got those those animals that have um, been exposed to to kibble on the processed diets, so they're not, they're not healthy or their immune system is suppressed, the pet parent notices it and then they – take it to the professional, some professionals, and they say, well, my dog's not doing this or that. And then what do the professionals, some professionals, I'll underline, are recommending? It's not preventing. It's just 
possibly correcting, but it's never going to prevent it. So we're just in a vicious cycle all the time. So they might be exposed again to some sort of chemical. It might be a steroid. It might be something like that. This, it, it's just a constant assault on the on the immune system for our dogs. So it, it's just a it's just a really vicious cycle. So until you do something totally different and change that, um, you know, unfortunately that cycle just continues with a lot of our our dogs out there and they have such short little lives that we want them to live as long as possible go Narelle I can see yeah it's just a really interesting study I was because I get a lot of skin issue dogs there was a really interesting study it was a human study but it was so fascinating and the physiology of our dogs would be the same that I imagine it would apply to them as well but it was just showing with the Maillard reaction that those advanced glycation end products can actually accumulate in the dermal tissues, which can manifest in humans as things like psoriasis and eczema. So, you know, eczema is like our canine atopic dermatitis. So same, same, but different. And I just found that so fascinating that, you know, people don't think about those connections. And so any dogs with skin issues, you know, getting off the kibble will be a really great first start. Yeah, because they usually would think, like the skin, you think something has aggravated, you know, the skin, like externally. I guess that's where Mm -hmm. most people's minds go. But also, I should mention that we do have a bunch of articles on our website about this. And Narelle, you've written some about food processing and the effect that it has on our dogs. So um, people can head there for those. Um, Thank you, guys. It's actually been really, really fun and I have learned a lot. Um, If anyone is looking for more information, they can head to our website, bigdogpetfoods.com. If they have any questions, they can email us at info at bigdogpetfoods.com and we'll see you again soon for another fun episode. Thank you so much, Narelle, for joining us. It was really fun and so nice to see your face finally. Um, yeah, I was. it was fun, Jazz and Chris. So really, thank you for having me. I feel like the three of us, or if Nat's still there, the four of us, um, we could just sit and talk dogs um, and dog health for hours and hours. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Narelle. It's been a lot of fun. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you, Chris. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.